0: Today is the day in church history that we remember and celebrate the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into the city of Jerusalem. This is known as Palm Sunday. And so God in his foreknowledge, he revealed to Daniel, that man of God, and we studied this in house groups in the book of Daniel. And it's recorded for us uh, in that book, Bearing His Name, that the Messiah would come riding into Jerusalem. And not only did he describe this event that would take place, he, to the very day, gave us the date that Jesus would come riding into Jerusalem. And it says in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 21, it says, They, the disciples, brought the donkey and the colt, and they laid their clothes on them, and they set Jesus on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. In verse 9, Matthew 21, it says, Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And one thing about this particular passage that I really, really have taken particular uh, note of, in verse 9 it says that the people that went before and the people that went behind, that followed, cried out, worshiping Jesus, praising the Lord, asking him to save and, pro- and proclaiming that indeed he was the Savior of the world. In the Hebrew language, Hosanna, it had come to mean two things. Oh, save and oh, praise. Oh, save and oh, praise. Now, singing songs of praise to the Lord is such a powerful thing in the life of the Christian. In your life, in my life, singing praises to the Lord is powerful. At Vision City Church, we believe that it's very, very important to have a time where we worship the Lord through the singing of songs, through the giving of praise. That's why we have instruments and vocals, and that's why we encourage you to participate in the singing of songs to the Lord. See, worship is in the heart of every human being, really, if you realize it or not. You today should understand that it's in your very DNA to worship. Now, notice that I didn't mention what was the object of worship, just that worship was intrinsic inside your life. Webster's Dictionary describes worship as this, is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission. See, when we come into contact with some form of greatness, we're prone to worship and esteem that greatness. Whether it be on a you know, lower level, like oh, that athlete or that humanitarian aid worker or that game changer or that leader or whoever it might be. Wow, they're amazing. We have a built-in mechanism to be drawn to something that is great. This is such the case that in the fourth book, of the Bible, God told Moses in Deuteronomy 419, he said, speaking to Moses, he said, take heed, lest you lift your eyes to heaven. And when you see the sun and the moon and the stars and all the hosts of heaven, that you feel driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord, your God has given to all the peoples under the whole heaven as a heritage. In the original Hebrew language, when you see these things, when you look at them, when you inspect them, when you perceive and when you consider and when you study and when you find out more about creation, it says you're going to be compelled, driven to worship those things. We know in Romans how it says that they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. And then it doesn't just stop there. It says that you'll be drawn to serve that and to worship, meaning to work or to labor or to make oneself a servant of. And really, this is the progression in life for all of us is that I look, I'm driven, I worship, I serve. This progression is such a phenomenon because for where I focus is where I am going and whom I worship. I will serve. In verse 9 again of Matthew 21, it says the multitudes went before and those that followed Jesus cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, there are many different ways for us as Christians today that we can worship the Lord. We can worship the Lord as we are right now through the reading and study of God's word. And so you hold open your Bible or you you know open your app on your phone or tablet or whatever, you're reading it, you're studying it, you've set aside time to receive from the Lord, this is an act of worship. We can worship the Lord really through being obedient to his commands. When you're obedient to the Lord and do what his word tells you to do, that is an act of worship. We can worship the Lord through the way that we communicate to one another. The way that I speak can be an offering of praise to the Lord. The way that I treat those around me can be an act of worship. We can worship the Lord through the giving of our finances as we have as part of our service, where you give unto the Lord. That is an act of worship as well. We can also worship the Lord through the acts of service as you give of yourself and contribute to the work that the Lord is doing. But today, I wanted to focus on the worship of the Lord that comes through the singing of praise. When you open your mouth and sing. Now, for some, that may be a joyous occasion. And for others, it may not be as joyous. Uh, I guess it depends on who's listening to you at the time. Because you may not care what you sound like, and it's a sweet sound to the Lord. And I think that's the attitude that we should all have. You know, you might sing very well in the shower, and it's just perfect acoustics in there and everything. And you come into a gymnasium like this, and we're singing to the Lord. And you might be more concerned about what other people might think next to you as opposed to the joy that it's bringing to the Lord. I tell you right now, when my kids, and especially when Harrison starts to sing now when we put him to bed, he doesn't sing completely on key, and he can't even articulate all the words, but it brings a smile to my face every single time. And when you sing to the Lord, your heavenly Father is blessed, and it is something that brings him great joy, and it is also something that you give as an act of worship to the Lord. I think it's important to have balance when it comes to our church service. I think when we get together as what we call this congregational meeting, this public meeting of gathering together as the body of Christ, that there needs to be order and there needs to be a balance in how we utilize the time. A balance in that we must have time to worship the Lord through singing, through the reading of the scriptures, through service, and through giving. See, when we shift our focal point of worship from upon the Lord, the alternative is to immediately put it or place it upon something or someone else. If we're not worshiping the true and living God, then by default we'll be taking all that is stored up in us, all that is prone to worship, and we will reallocate that worship onto someone or something else. But the scripture tells us, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. As human beings, worshiping is what we do. We wear our favorite sports teams, logos and names on our clothes. We represent many different things. But when it comes to worshiping, truly worshiping, worship is something that we must do Right. Because you must understand today that you can worship anything or anyone at any given time. At any time. In Hinduism, I know this is growing, this number, but there are over 330 million gods that people worship. 330 million different gods. Things that are worshiped by those that practice Hinduism. So, any object of worship that we may have apart from the true and living God who sent his only son Jesus to die on the cross for the sins of the world is a step downward to a debased mind. Like the man who went out into the forest, and some of you might be hunters, some of you may have even built your own log cabins out in the wilderness somewhere. Like the man that goes out into the forest and cuts down a tree, and he worships it. And with that same tree, he builds his house, and with part of that tree, he stokes a fire and cooks his bread. And then with part of that tree, he carves an image out of it and begins to pray to it and says, You are my God. Now, most of the world in some way, shape, or form worships. And whether that's power, or money, or sex, or possessions, or pleasure, or X, Y, or Z, the world worships something. And really, all of the things that I just mentioned, I only mentioned five things, but they're all a part of that previously mentioned progression, which is, I look and I see, and I'm driven towards, I worship and I serve. But the unfortunate truth of worshiping someone or something other than God is that you will always be empty. Empty if you worship something other than the true God, you will always be empty. Ultimately, and I think there are many of us here this morning that can attest to this truth, that ultimately you will find that if you're not worshiping God, that your object of worship will control you, but will never help you. It could be a relationship. I've seen very unhealthy relationships. Dating relationships, marital relationships, business relationships, partnerships, where you're worshiping a relationship more than God. You compromise your relationship with the Lord and allow a relationship to usurp the place of God in your life. You'll find that maybe the very thing that you worship, your object of worship, it is now controlling you. Maybe you don't even want to be involved with that anymore, but you have served it for so long. And then when you try to let go of it, you realize that it was holding you. See, that which you serve is that which you worship. And that which you worship is that which will be the controlling force in your life. What are you controlled by? What are the things that are constantly vying for the number one slot on your priority list? The people on that day called Palm Sunday cried out, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he, the son of David, the Messiah. Hosanna, Hosanna. For us today in 2019, how does honoring God with our love translate into worship as a Christian? See, the emphasis on genuine worship has to be this, is that it is giving, not receiving. Now listen, we all like to receive, don't we? We all like to receive. If you want to give me presents on my birthday, I will receive those things gladly. If you want to give me gifts on days that are not my birthday, I'll receive them gladly as well. We love to receive those things for ourselves, but see, people today, and even in the church We are so backwards when it comes to what church service is all about and what truly worshiping the Lord as a congregation and as an individual through song actually means. Now, I've been around, uh, you know, 15 years in ministry. It's not super long, but it's not super short. I've seen a lot of things, been to a lot of different places, a lot of different churches. Sometimes people in church can complain that the worship is not very inspiring. Or they can complain that the teaching is bland or that the service is, you know, well, you know, I I don't know. The service just really didn't serve me well this morning. Now we think mistakenly that because we call it a Sunday morning service that we're the ones being served instead of God. Hey, I'm going to church so that I can be served. No, that's actually unbiblical. We go to church to serve the Lord and to worship him. And as an act of obedience, we come and gather together as the body of believers to open his word and to sing praises to his name. In Ephesians 6 verse 7, it says, doing service as to the Lord and not to men. So though it's great that we get together and we can have a church that we call home and we can have friends and people that we can con, uh, contact during the week and people that we have fellowship with and where our kids can go to Sunday school and where we can get a coffee and a donut or whatever else it might be, and those things are fine and dandy, it's like the word of the Lord tells us that church service the gathering together of the Christian body is for Jesus and not for us. It is not for you, and it is not for me. It is for the Lord. Give praise to the Lord. In Psalm 149, verse 3, it says, Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and Harp. In 2 Samuel 6, verse 5, it says, Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments: fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, and on cymbals. First Chronicles 15:16 says, Then David spoke to the leaders of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be singers, accompanied by instruments of music. Stringed instruments, harps, and cymbals by the raising the voice with resounding joy. This is what the Bible says since the beginning that as we are prone to worship, as we'll desire to worship, that our worship should be directed to the one alone who is worthy of all of our praise. And that through instrumentation and through the singing of songs, that we can give praise to the Lord. And so with musical instruments, Singing with resounding joy, the people of God have worshipped the Lord publicly for centuries, millennia. We thank God through our praise. We worship him and it's an offering of thanksgiving. Also, when we worship and why we set aside time in the beginning of our service to worship the Lord, because it helps us turn our attention to the Lord. Because there are a lot of distractions in this life. There are a lot of stress. There's a lot of stress. There is a lot of pressure. As I mentioned earlier, there's a lot of things vying for that number one spot. There's a lot of things that are jockeying for the position of dominance in our lives that would preoccupy us and that would consume our thoughts. When we come to church to worship the Lord, it is actually preparing our hearts to receive from His Word. We're not having a a section of, of worshiping the Lord just because, oh, that's what we've always done. We don't have time of worshiping the Lord through the singing of songs because it's unimportant and we just need to fill up time. We actually set aside time for the worshiping of the Lord through singing of songs because it is, number one, biblical. Number two, it brings great honor and praise and glory to the Lord. And number three, we get blessed by it. We're not doing it so that we can be blessed. We're doing it as we offer this praise to the Lord. But the byproduct of that act of obedience and worship to the Lord is that we have our hearts softened to the things of the Lord. The things that were just insurmountable, those problems start to dwindle as we turn our attention to the Lord and we sing, how great is our God when we sing that his love never fails, when we sing these songs that remind us of the truths of God's word, our hearts begin to soften to the things of the Lord, the things of the Holy Spirit. It says in Second Chronicles 20, verse 19, Then the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korahites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel, get this, Dot, dot, dot. Ready for this? With voices loud and high. Loud and high, not quiet and low. How great is our God. Sing with me how great. That's that's not what it was. It was loud and it was high. And it was from the heart. And it was passionate. And there was organization to it, and there was this unity that came through the body of believers, those that were called the sons and daughters of the king, worshiping the Lord together. It was important. It was part of their lives. In Psalm 66, verse 1, it says to the chief musician, a song, a psalm, and it is this, make a joyful shout to God all the earth. That's why we sing. That's why we have worship at the beginning of our service. Now listen. I'm the pastor of this church. And there are some times that I don't feel like singing. There are times that I feel like I just want to sit there and not engage in worship. I understand what that feels like. But... I'm not excluded from the very fact that worshiping the Lord through the giving of praise, through singing of songs, is not for me and is not to me. It is for the Lord. Our flesh doesn't understand the very essence of true worship. The sinful nature cries out, let's worship God, but let's do it as quickly and as conveniently and as effortlessly as possible. That's our flesh. The people that were on the road to Jerusalem were singing to the Lord. They were moved by the presence of Jesus. They cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In Psalm 115 verse 1, it says, not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory because of your mercy, because of your truth. Worshiping through the giving of praise is not established to satisfy our needs, but rather to express the worthiness of God. He's worthy of all of our praise. In Revelation 4.11, it says, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. And so worshiping is not for us, it is for the Lord. So you may not like that song, you may not like that key, you may not like whatever it might be, but it's not for you. It's for the Lord. And we need to be reminded of that because worship is something that we should be engaging in personally personally and passionately worshiping the lord brings honor to god and that's what we want to be reminded of on this palm sunday in first chronicles 16:29 it says give to the lord the glory do his name bring an offering and come before him oh worship the lord in the beauty of holiness So give the Lord glory. Bring your offering. Cry out, Hosanna. And it says in verse 10 of our section in Matthew, and it says, and when he had come into Jerusalem, when Jesus had arrived in Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? Who is this? And the multitude said in verse 11, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. When you worship the Lord, when we worship the Lord, people take notice. And they will be inquisitive as to who it is that we're worshiping. Who who is this Jesus? Who is this God that you praise? Let's take it one step further. You're a Christian and you're going through problems. You're having a difficult time. You're struggling. It doesn't seem that there is an area of your life that is not being hit hard. But you say you have faith. You say you're a follower of Jesus. You say you're a Christian. How can you worship When you're going through problems, some might ask you, how are you able to praise the Lord when you're going through the worst time of your life? How is that even possible? Some may see your life of worship to the Lord. Some may see how you praise him, even yet though he slay me, still I will trust, still I will praise, still I will glorify him. One of the things being Vision City Church, and many people have wondered about that name. Though our roots are Calvary Chapel, we used to do these events, and hopefully we'll be doing them again in this city that were called vision for my city. Because every city is unique with its own needs, and there are certain things that might affect this community that are different from another community, but if you're in this particular city and you see the things that are going on, the Lord can give you a vision for that city to reach that city in the name of Jesus. And so from that vision... Of reaching this city, Vision City Church was birthed. And one of the things that really stood out to me as we were praying about how this church would be planted and what the Lord would want to do was this very verse here where it says, The whole city was moved. It was moved. If you look at verse 10, you'll see it. It says, and all the city was moved. Who is this? How were they moved? It was by the praise of the people. That was the very thing that caused that city to be shaken, that city to be stirred. Stirred. It says that the city was moved by the worship of the people that went before Jesus and after him. Now, I know that I've made a particular issue of that three times now. I believe. Those that went before and those that followed. And the reason that I have taken extra time on that particular phrase is there is a lot to be said. There is a lot to be said about the Christian that praises the Lord before his arrival and before his work takes place. This is the type of worship that is rooted in the Christian's heart that has confidence and faith that God will move. Move. See, when we're in a place of need in our lives, and you are yet to see the work of the Lord, the transition between that prayer for help and that shout of praise is a supernatural one, even as the transition in the meaning of Hosanna itself from the Hebrew into the Greek, into the English language, where it meant from, oh, save, to, yes, he will save. Or, oh, oh, save, oh, praise. Hosanna. Hosanna. The people that cried out Hosanna were in dire need. They were under the oppression of Rome, as you guys know. And they were also under the oppression of the religious system of their day. They were in dire need of help more than they knew. Probably just like you and me, that we have no clue of how much we need the Lord's help. The distance between our cry for help and a shout of praise Please understand this cannot be traveled in the emotional, in the mental, or even the physical unless it has first been traveled spiritually. Where you go from being in despair and crying out, Oh God, save me, to Oh praise you, Lord. Hosanna. Hosanna. In my mind, and in my emotions, I do not naturally rejoice in God when I am in the thick of it. That's our flesh. When you're in the middle of the wars, you do not have a natural inclination to say, Oh, praise you, Lord. I'm not inclined to worship God in my trials. I'm not inclined to praise God for things I've yet to see Happen. Some of you are holding on to promises of the Lord. Some of you are dealing with things that are very difficult, yet you have yet to see the Lord work. Now we've seen over the years the word Hosanna, which was the prayer of immediate help, then a realization of the one who comes in the name of the Lord to save, gradually became to mean a rejoicing proclamation of salvation, that salvation has arrived. In the Psalms, it was, oh, save, oh, save, O oh, save. In the New Testament, we see, oh, praise, oh, praise, oh, praise. Yet it is the same word, Hosanna. And when we shout out Hosanna and we praise the Lord from a place of crying for help, it does something for us. It does something to us in our spiritual man. It changes us. It changes us. And that's what we need to be focused on today, this Palm Sunday. Hosanna. Hosanna. Because today, Palm Sunday marks the day in our calendar that that some 2,000 years ago, Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This today marks the last Sunday that Jesus would have before his crucifixion the following Friday. This coming Friday was the day that Jesus would be crucified. And we all are no doubt familiar with why they called this particular Sunday Palm Sunday. The people went before Jesus laying palms on the road, palm branches, waving palm branches in the air. But the element of praise cannot be ignored here. Hosanna. Hosanna. We use that word very often and regularly on Palm Sunday. Would you say Hosanna? Hosanna. One, two, three. Hosanna. Try it again. One, two, three. Hosanna. Okay, you're almost getting there. Last try. Three, two, one. Yeah, Hosanna. Now, because you know how to say the word so eloquently. You guys sounded good, by the way. If we were outside, and we were those people that were on that road into Jerusalem, crying out, oh, save, and then saying, oh, praise, here comes the Messiah. I'm telling you right now, it's not. Hosanna. Woo. Hosanna. Praise the Lord! I mean, we do that when our favorite team hits the last winning bucket to, you know, win the championship. It's like, hallelujah! Go Virginia! Or whatever it might be. Now that they won, right? We're all fans. So, how much more so when we see Jesus approaching? Or we know that he's coming. We've yet to see him work, but we know that he will. And we cry out, Hosanna, praise you, Lord. I know I need help, but I know you're mighty to save. The word Hosanna appears five times in the New Testament. Matthew 21, 9, which we read. Matthew twenty-one fifteen. And then two times in Mark chapter 11 and once in John 12. Each of those five times in the New Testament, the word Hosanna is used on Palm Sunday. What a perfect day to realize that Jesus has come to seek and to save that which is lost. How many of you can say amen to that? Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. I want us to be as those people crying out to the Lord. Laying down their palm branches for Jesus to ride upon, crying out, Hosanna. You know, for those of you that are fans of Disneyland, maybe you have a pass or you took out a second mortgage and bought a ticket. And you know that Main Street parade comes down and people are lining up for hours to get those seats right on the curb. In the shade if it's a hot day. You know, before they even put the rope up, they looked at their little pamphlet and said, this is what time it's coming down. And they're lining up and they're getting ready and they're getting that prime spot so they can see where they can be a part of what's going on. I want our church to be that way when it comes to worshiping the Lord. That we're lifting up our voices and that we're ready to sing and we're ready to praise. And we want to be a part of what God is doing because His Holy Spirit is moving and working and He is worthy of all of our praise and it starts to stir you up. Though you might be in the depths of despair and discouraged and your eyes focused on your problems, that the moment you open your voice as an offering of praise to the Lord and say, Lord, I am going to praise you when I don't feel like it. I'm going to sing unto the Lord, even though I may not want to right now. I'm going to make worshiping the Lord through praise a priority, even as these that were out there on that dirty, dusty road into Jerusalem, and I'm going to cry out, oh, praise him, because he's worthy of all my praise. May our cry for help turn into that confidence that God is mighty to save. And there, find a special work of the Lord that takes place in your life as a follower of Jesus because you worship through the giving of praise. And really, the transition for us is, Lord, please help me, to He is here to help me. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is He who comes in the name of of the lord our desire as a church should be one and only one thing and that's to glorify god in everything that we do in everything that we do once a week We'll gather together as a congregation. That's one time a week on Sunday morning to worship the Lord and to study his word together. Let's be a worshiping church. Let's be a studious church in that we, Study to show ourselves approved of God, a workman who needs not to be ashamed as we rightly divide the word of truth. Because I'm telling you, the emotional experience, though you may be moved emotionally, you might be fired up, you might feel something or tingling or whatever it might be, like, ah! The emotional spirit experience doesn't last. The word of God endures forever. So when you leave this place, and then you're faced with the real life situations in your life, you need to hold on to the Word of God. And the Word of God tells us that those who worship the Lord must do so in spirit and in truth. And we see that there is a very special place of worshiping the Lord through the singing of praise that should be found in every single follower of Jesus. It doesn't say... That if you went to Juilliard, then you can be a part of singing to the Lord. It does not say that if you have a fantastic voice, then you should sing. It doesn't make any distinction between your skill set. It specifically says straight across the board that singing of praise is an issue of the heart. And we all have those. those hearts that should be drawn to worship the Lord. And so today, as we conclude, pray upon these things. Think upon them. Meditate upon them. Apply them to your lives. And then week in and week out, When we gather together as a church, as we next Sunday are going to be celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we're going to be singing and praising, let's participate in it together. Because it's not for us, is it? It's for the Lord. It's for him. The moment we think, well, I'm not being well served, that's the moment that we've completely lost it. We gather together to worship the Lord, and the service is unto the Lord and not unto man. And there we find that the Lord is glorified, and that even in that place of service and offering of praise to the Lord, the Lord blesses his people. Because as it says, the Lord inhabits or dwells in the praises of his people. Hosanna. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, for this day that we remember that prophesied in the book of Daniel, triumphal entry of Christ into the city of Jerusalem. Lord, his disciples, Jesus' disciples said, don't go there, they're going to try to kill you. And then even Thomas said, well, we might as well go with him so we'll all die with him. Lord Jesus, you said that it was for this very purpose that you came to this world, to lay down your life, to give your life as a ransom for many. And so, Father, this week we say thank you, Lord, especially for sending your only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for the sins of the world. Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, for that great gift of salvation through faith in your son. And, Lord, I ask that we would walk worthy of our calling. I pray that whatever we do, we would do for your glory, Lord. I ask that though we are to sing with all of our hearts and to give you the praise that belongs to you, that we would also see that worship is more than just singing of songs. It is a lifestyle. A lifestyle that brings praise and honor and glory to you. And so, Lord, if it starts on Sunday mornings, the singing of songs, then so be it. I pray, God, now that you would bless your people in Jesus' name. And Lord, may you bless us. May you keep us. May you cause your face to shine upon us. May you be gracious unto us. May you lift up your countenance upon us and give us your peace that surpasses all understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.